podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Little down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back, and Blitz Month marches on as we're getting ever closer to that glorious first Saturday in September where your Kansas State Wildcats will be taking the field against the SEMO Redbirds or whatever they call themselves. I call them the best college football team in the state of Missouri. Uh, Along with, you know, Blitz Month marching on, Aggieville Alley Cats Week continues on. You guys heard... The first half of Ag- the Aggieville Alley Cats co-host on Tuesday. Now we have the second half. I'm not going to say which one's my favorite because I love you both equally. They've been doing this. They're going on their third football season, and it's my favorite K-State sports podcast. Not only do they go in-depth on the X's and O's for K-State football, but they give all the sports their deserved time. You've heard this man on countless primers, and I hope you are a regular listener of his show himself. It is Connor Baltazar. Connor, welcome back. Welcome to Blitz Month 2023. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. I got off work and got back home, and really that's been my entire day so far, so I've just been looking forward to this. Uh, I guess this is how real life is. So <laughs> Yeah, well, yes, it, it is real life. And again, uh, you know, for me, it's work and podcasting, playing with Chauncey. You're juggling, you know, also, you know, going to law school as well. So, I mean, I, I think you probably are even busier than I am. I don't know about that. You do a lot of podcasting. And so, and Chauncey needs a lot of attention. So. He I, does. He does. He he's not very happy with me today, but that's all right. We went on a walk early this morning, and I think we might go on another one this evening because it's honestly pretty decent weather. You know, I think mm-hmm. we finally. You know, I'm about to jinx it. I think we are beyond like the upper 90s and 100 for the summer. I'm hoping. Uh, I might have just jinxed it though. So I, I I don't know if I've ever asked you this one. Where are you in the summer versus winter debate when it comes to the seasons? Um, I think I have better summer memories just because, I mean, most of my memories are, you know, I've been in school most of my life. So summer is time off, which is better. But I also really like winter. Um, I prefer the cold to the hot, I think, Um, although not the super cold. So I guess that makes me more of a fall guy. I, I think fall is my favorite season. But which I know yeah. that wasn't the question, but no, no, you're you're good. I, I I think the natural trajectory is, you know, growing up summer obviously better. Like once you know you start getting into work, you're not getting summers off. I think some folks come around to the winter time frame. But as co-founder of Bosco's Boys, Grant has told me, I don't think he's gone full-blown summer boy, but now that he has a son. And he's having some of these outdoor memories, doing some more stuff in the summer. He's like coming around on the summer. So it kind of might be like, okay, once you have kids, maybe, you know, there's some more fun in the summer. Uh, And then uh, who knows after that? Uh, Luckily, I don't have any kids. 
I won't say luckily. I take that back. You know, if I had the right, it doesn't matter. You know, it could be lucky depending on the <laughs> that, frame that you look at it through. That so. is true. That is true. But I, 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 I could not imagine being a summer guy. I, I can't wait for the fall. And then I, I like the winter, but you know, that's what it is. Uh, folks don't come to listen to t- me talk about the weather or uh, make throwaway comments about having children. They do come to me or to listen to K-State football talk, K-State basketball talk, K-State sports talk. Before we do, I do have to say how much I love Manhattan Brewing Company. I talked about the summer. The one redeeming thing about the summer is an ice cold beer from Manhattan Brewing Company, whether it be outside in the elements, inside with the AC, watching some Royals baseball, some sporting KC, or just something stupid on Netflix. The beginning of every great summer evening begins with an ice cold beer from Manhattan Brewing Company. We're running it back again. The 2023 tailgate beer of the season is going to be towny wheat. So get them at your local liquor store. If they don't have it, be polite, but tell them you want towny wheat in your liquor store. And every time you go to Manhattan, make sure you stock up on Crowlers and four packs. Get a couple pints every time you're in there as well. All right. I want to talk to you. I want to kick things off talking about the receivers. And I've been on a couple podcasts and some things that, you know, folks try to poke holes in the K-State offense, talk about, okay, you're losing your top two receivers from last year and Cade Warner and Malik Knowles gone. I think Keegan Johnson, you, you can correct me if you disagree. I think Keegan Johnson is for sure going to join Phillip Brooks amongst the top three wide receivers. How do you handicap that race between Jaden Jackson, who sounds like he's been having a great spring and now fall camp, uh, and R.J. Garcia for that number three spot. We all knew what know what R.J. Garcia, one of the big highlights of last year. I think myself included until you start hearing some whispers from Manhattan, kind of already had him penciled in. But it sounds like Jackson is right there with him. So how do you handicap that race? And then do you think we're going to see more rotation at the wide receiver versus what we did last year? Um, I think going into the summer, I was definitely team RJ uh, for that. But like you, you, you do hear things um, that kind of make you uh, change your mind. Plus, Jaden Jackson, he's a redshirt senior, super senior, I think, at this point. Uh, so he didn't get a lot of time last year because uh, I think he was hurt most of the season. But I'm I'm kind of leaning Jaden Jackson at this point. Um, the vibes are there, I guess, for Jaden Jackson to – uh, kind of step out in front. Um, we only saw him really in the Alabama game, like briefly and a few others. I mean, he had two catches in garbage time, the sugar bowl, which hardly matter, but I think he's maybe going to be more consistent choice than RJ Garcia. I think RJ Garcia long-term has a similar ceiling, but I still think he has a little bit more developing to do. And on rotation, I really, really hope that we rotate more because I want to see more young guys, more variety at receiver. I think it makes more sense to do it this year than last year because it seems like we want to have a more up-tempo offense, even more so than last year. Or at the very least, Klein, I know we said something about averaging 50 points per game, which I sincerely hope we do, but I don't expect that. Um, so I I hope that we rotate more at receiver because I think we've got some really interesting, young, talented guys in the room, like Trace Bivey and Jace Brown, uh, especially for this year. Uh, so I hope we can see... Uh, more rotation, but I, I'm really not sure what to expect there. 
Uh, so I mentioned that 50 points a game because there, there's like people on Twitter and message board like, oh, we're, we're going to do 50 points. I don't think that's realistic at all. And I think what's funny is if I'm remembering correctly, the genesis of that quote, it didn't come from Colin Klein. I think it was Connor Riley who was like, yeah, you know, CK want, wants to be averaging 50 points a game. and He's not going to be satisfied until we do it kind of in jest because they're kind of like, yeah, you know, a little bit more up tempo score and all that type of stuff. And he said that. And I think what was kind of like a funny throwaway quote is almost kind of embedded itself in the uh, consciousness of K-State fans. And, and I honestly think that's hilarious. I mentioned it with Ace earlier in this week, if you guys are listening to this and to you and me earlier today, uh, you know, how how there is so much confidence in the offense despite losing what might have been the greatest skill position player K-State's ever had in Deuce Vaughn. Um, this isn't on the outline, but how wild is it to have that much confidence in the offense uh, a year after Deuce Vaughn has left the team? Well, first of all, having confidence in the offense is something that's new to me. As a K-State fan, uh, sans a handful of years. Because, uh, I mean, especially most of what I remember uh at least most clearly is Snyder 2.0 where you kind of just had no idea what was going to happen game to game. It felt like other than we were definitely going to run a lot of QB power and get Jesse, Jesse Hurts hurt again. But we, uh, uh, yeah, I I'm very happy about it, but I don't think it's like outlandish to say, because I mean, for some reason people think DJ Giddens is slow. He's not like, just like watch him. Like he's not as fast as like other running backs, but he's not a slow guy. Like he's had a couple breakaway runs. Treshawn Ward's interesting. Uh, Keegan Johnson, I think, should be good. Uh, ben Sennett is on this football team still. Will Howard is here. So there's a lot of guys that I think can carry the load. It's honestly kind of similar to men's basketball where you can't find someone to replace Deuce Vaughn. Like you can't find another Marquise Noel or Keontae Johnson, but you can find people to carry the load uh, in duos or uh and a, a few separate people to kind of pick up the slack uh, collectively. All right. The next one. And I, and I wrote this outline before I did some sleuthing myself, but I'm interested in your uh, take on this one. Taylor Portier's back second straight season was cut short with a knee injury. And I love to remind folks that coming into last season, the internal hype, the hype train coming out of Manhattan wasn't like, Oh, Cooper BB future first round draft pick. Of course, we all knew Cooper Beebe was great. No one was taking it away. But Connor Riley himself said last summer, last fall, that Taylor Portier is the best offensive lineman on this team. Now he's coming off of back-to-back seasons with season-ending knee surgery. Do you think he's going to be able to hop back into that starting lineup and, you know, subvert Hadley Panzer probably or, I mean, maybe an outside chance of Hayden Gillum. I don't think so. Um, but I think it will come down to him and Panzer at that right guard spot. How do you think that's going to shake out? I am leaning uh, Taylor Poitier. Or Poitier. Um, I am really hopeful because, I mean, two straight seasons uh, with knee injuries ending it early. I mean, that just sucks. That's just crappy luck. Like there's there's not a lot to say about that other than that. But I mean, the one benefit, I guess, is that he did get hurt early in the year again. So he's had plenty of time to rehab. You know, this isn't like a got hurt in bowl season thing. He he's been rehabbing for a while. Uh, so he should be close to full strength. 
It is concerning that it's happened twice now. Uh, but I think in terms of pure talent, he should be able to usurp Hadley Panzer just because Connor Riley doesn't give out compliments like that lightly. So I think we can really draw a lot from that and say that Taylor Poitier is going to be a really, really good offensive lineman if he can stay healthy. But I, I'm really hoping so um, that he can take over for Hadley Panzer because I think that makes our offensive line much better. Uh, and that's no offense to Hadley Panzer. That's just a Taylor Poitier thing. He's I really think he's that good. Yeah, and, and Panzer, regardless of what happens this year, he's he has multiple seasons in front of him where he will still be a starter, and he he really might be one of those anchors next year uh, because you know TP he could be leaving. Uh, we we could see all five. We could see six of you know the top seven guys move on. So Panzer really is going to have to be one of those fulcrums for uh, 2024, regardless. Um, we're recording this before uh, you know uh, Coach Kleiman has his availability, uh, which is going to be on Tuesday at noon. So if folks are listening to this, uh, you know who knows? Maybe maybe some of the answers will already be out here. Um, but but I do think the offensive line is going to be. Uh, quite possibly one of the greatest ones we've seen at K-State. Again, another one that wasn't on here, but uh, just in your heart of hearts, do you think this offensive line, when when the season is written, do you think they're going to be be able to overtake Texas as being the top offensive line in the Big 12? Because they, too, are returning all five starters. Um, That's going to be tough, but I'll go out on a limb and say yes, um, because – I well for one I'm super biased, but for uh, for another there is just so much talent on this K State offensive line more than usual, and uh, Cooper Beebe coming back uh, was a huge win because I had no expectations of that. I was just thoroughly enjoying what I thought was the last season of Cooper Beebe last year, but now he's back, uh, and I I don't think Texas has a guy of Cooper Beebe's caliber. Um, at least off the top of my head, I could be saying something really dumb there, but I, I, I think Uber BB is just such a huge addition or a returning addition, I guess I should say almost in a way, but, and KT as well. I'm really excited to see how he goes this year because the left tackle move, I know a lot of people were pretty, uh, shaky on that last year. Oh, I was freaking out when, yeah. when that, when that started leaking out of camp, I thought, oh, Andrew Lion Gang, like, okay, super high on the freshman. Let's do it. When it was like, oh, it's KT, I was like, oh no, what's going on? Now <laughs> I to, think yeah. I think he's gonna get drafted next year. It might be as a guard himself, but I think KT's hearing his name on day three next year. I'm right there with you. I, I think that KT is athletic enough as an interior guy to get drafted because even when he has struggled in pass protection, you can all you can very often single him out in a run block situation in the past when he was uh, in a left guard as like a sub uh, where he just eviscer, he just destroys people, eviscerates them. And like, like it's nothing to him because he's just a freak athlete for a guy of his size. I think you're right. It'll be a interior guy, but I mean them and those two guys, two, two guys are great. Duffy as well. You can't um, forget that he's had however many consecutive starts. It's in the thirties. I think, uh, that, that goes a long way. And then just the fact that this unit has been together for so long, unit cohesion, which you alluded to that when you mentioned Texas returning their entire offensive line, unit cohesion is so huge for an offensive line being good. Uh, like you can have five 
like all Americans, if they don't know how to communicate with each other, they're going to be average. So uh, I think about the original point. I, I do think that this K-State offensive line could uh, be better than Texas's by the end of the year. Shout out to the 10-12 network. I think uh, I think they were unanimous having cases the number two offensive line. I think all behind Texas. One of them actually might have had us at three when they had their offensive line ranking show last week. So I, I think it'll be fun. I'm, I'm pumped. Now on the other side of the trenches, if you want to look at the edge rushing again, uh, Felix King and DK Uzama, he, he's gone. He's going to hopefully be doing his King Felix dance all over the AFC West for 15 years to come. Uh, and, and that's the question I'm asked the most when I go on other people's podcasts, second most behind questions about Deuce Vaughn. Um, you do have the combination of Matlack, Mott, and Khalid Duke going back to his native uh, position, you know, as an edge rusher. Um, do you think that, you know, these three guys can kind of combine to be near the top once again in uh pass rush from the edge? I kind of think so. I think a lot of that is going to come down to is Nate Matlick going to be healthy? Because Ace and I have long believe that technically Matlick's been the best the best pass rusher for probably the last couple of seasons it's just been he's been hurt now that's not saying he was better than Felix but in terms of technique he was probably the best on the team I think it was telling that last year Khalid Duke in the Texas Tech game when he was more uh close to his edge rusher role he had three sacks in that game some of that's because Texas Tech's offensive line's horrible but you, you know, you still have to work to get to the QB, and Khalid Duke was doing a great job there. And I think Mott, he quietly had a really nice year last year. And then even throw in younger guys or whatever they're going to do with Tobio, uh, but Chidi Oviezor is the name that seems to keep popping up, which surprised me, but I'm fine with it. Uh, but I, I think that this edge rushing group um, could be geared up for collectively a really good year. Yeah, I think I think if I have my stats right, Mott is tied for the Big 12 lead in returning sack production from the 2022 season. So you got Money Mott, Matt Lack, and Khalid Duke. And like you said, OB Azor, is Jordan Allen going to see some snaps this year? Again, Toby O, it sounds like he's going to be in some special pass rush, rush situations. Again, you, you lost an All-American. You lost a future Ring of Honor type guy. But... <sighs> Yeah, I, I, that's why I'm so bullish on this season. Every question you have, you very easily could say, okay, well, here's how we're filling it. And and I get giddy inside thinking about it. A lot of that getting, sorry to talk over you, but, uh, I, 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 I'm kind of feel the same way. And at least some of it has to be the fact that at least for me, and this, you can probably relate to this somewhat too, uh, is that this is probably the most athletic top to bottom roster that we've seen for K-State in a very long time. I can't remember the last time we had a roster this athletic top to bottom, and it's much easier to play guys early when they're freak athletes than if they're like technique machines that run like a six second 40. So it's a, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing young guys play, even though it's going to be tough because I mean, the, Edge rusher and defensive line room, there's a lot of guys there that are going to get playing time. Linebacker is going to be even worse because we're just so set there. Shout out to Terry Kirksey. I feel so bad for him committing and Daniel Green coming back like a week later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, 
it's a uh, a lot of people I think are very worried about the defense, and I completely get it. But I am not super worried right now because I think there's just so much innate talent uh, on the defense that I think it's probably going to end up figuring itself out. Yeah, I so I'm glad you brought up the athlete thing. The, the one of the first things I started calling out and realizing early in the Chris Kleiman era, comparing it to the end of Snyder 2.0 and really the entire Snyder 2.0 era. Um, Chris Kleiman seemed to say, all right, I'm taking athletes. I want someone whose body looks like an NFL type guy and someone who can perform, you know, on, you know, the, the measurables, speed, strength, agility, like a future NFL guy. And I'm confident we can coach them up. And I think we have seen that at almost every single position on the field uh, play out. Uh, Whereas Bill Snyder wanted you to come in and be a football player from day one um, and and really prioritize that over the athleticism. And I'm not going to say one way is better than the other, but it is exciting to see guys walking off the bus and it is exciting to hear some of the stories of summer strength and conditioning with the true freshman if you're going the way Chris Kleiman did. So I'm glad you brought that up because I agree. I think if you're if you're trying to turn things into a combine, into a track meet, into a powerlifting competition, uh, this team goes head-to-head with some of the best from the late 90s, early 2000s. And I'm pumped for that. I know. Uh- it's going to be a lot of fun this year. A lot of uh, new athletes we'll get to see. I'm so excited that we hopefully get to see Toby O this year. I've been waiting for a while because last year on kick coverage, he just looked like an absolute maniac. Well, uh, and, and we're going to get him every single game on kick coverage. They don't have to worry about yeah. four games. Uh, I think, I think, you know, him combined with like the Porter brothers, you know, cause I mean, those kids are fast. Granted, I think Tobio might weigh the same as those two combined. Uh, yeah. But like, I, I love watching kickoff coverage. And, uh, you know, I, I love watching the Porter brothers. I love watching Toby O. I loved watching Jack Stanine before he started struggling with concussions last year. Um, I can't wait. I That very first kickoff, I, I'm getting goosebumps. I need to talk about Charlie Hustle before like I just completely want to run through a wall thinking about, you know, this football team. Uh, and I want to run through a wall for Charlie Hustle as well. There was the leak, thanks to uh, K-State uh, football, one of their uh, summer hype videos showing the team hanging out. So everyone knows that the K-State beef, the offensive line NIL shirt from Charlie Hustle is on the way. You guys should keep your eyes peeled. Honestly, just check it every single day, twice a day, and think about buying some other shirts. But that is coming. Another very fun NIL shirt is on the way as well. I'm going to keep that one under wraps. But there's an entire new line that is coming as well. If you want the most comfortable, the most stylish, and the absolute coolest officially licensed K-State gear, Charlie Hustle is the spot for you before you know it it's going to be fall and that is crew neck weather as well if you like the pro teams that are playing out in raytown missouri they have the arrowhead collection they have the crown town collection if you like soccer they have the sporting club collection as well they also have the iconic casey heart shirts and casey icon shirts all over the place so if you're a lover of the metro Check them out. Unlike some other places, this is a local company with actual ties and investment 
into your K-State Wildcats. So check them out today. Officially licensed. Chauncey's throwing stuff at me. It is awesome. Check out charliehustle.com to get today vintage made fresh. All right, let's get into predictions. I'm going to ask about Will Howard here shortly where you, like Ace, can tell me, uh, you know, to screw off for trying to uh, minimize you guys riding on the Will Howard train no matter what. Um, but but besides Will Howard, who do you have pegged as being the MVP of this offense? There's so many great choices, um, but I think I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't know if it's a limb, actually. I'm going to say DJ Giddens. Uh, I... I'm really, really excited about him. I was excited about him from the beginning of last season. Uh, and because we'd heard so much about him. Uh, I mean, I think he's an NFL running back. Uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that in terms of his talent. And I think there are going to be some really interesting ways for Colin Klein to get him involved in the offense. The only thing that would keep him from doing that is Treshawn Ward also being really good and taking away more carries or Joe Jackson sneaking in and getting like three carries a game or something like that. So I, I'm going to say DJ Giddens for now. Love that answer. I also think he's a future NFL guy. I think Treshawn Ward actually might be an NFL guy next year if he gets his touches as well. I think there's a very real chance we we will go from Deuce Vaughn to Treshawn Ward to DJ Giddens having three running backs drafted in like a four or five year span uh, in the Chris Kleiman era. And that's going to be great for the brand. Uh, let's talk Will Howard. Again, uh, you, you very playfully were uh, giving me crap in the DMs. Um, and as. Oh, my gosh. Now my freaking Alexa is trying to play songs. It is playing a song. My goodness. Okay, I, I'm going to talk about Will Howard, and I'm going to get that to stop playing, and you can make fun of me. I will come back and listen to it, but I'm going to mute this and stop my Alexa from playing music. Gotcha. All right, and so Scott had no idea what he was talking about when he said that we, were the, uh, um, that we weren't the only people to talk about Will Howard being uh, a future dude, I guess as Drum Tang would say. Uh, but... We, I know, I know Ace came on here and clarified that we were definitely the only podcast that did it. And there's no doubt in my mind that we were the only podcast that was talking about him. I, I listened to to you on the airwaves, Scott, and I know you weren't defending Will, or at least most weren't, which I'm not going to spend much time on this. But first right, off, it, did I mute my mic or did you hear me yelling at my Alexa? Um, I wasn't listening. So oh, I, I sure <laughs> I hope so. Uh, and, and to the point, I, I said this with Ace, you guys were the only like content folks who were, were doing it. I, the, I I vividly remember other folks on Twitter who do not have elite podcasts or YouTube or talk who, who were doing it. And, and, and I meant for it to be more playful than anything. Uh, but you, you guys were the, were the podcast that, that was championing. So you guys will always be able to have that. But uh, what what sort of season do, do you think he's going to be able to have? What What is his ceiling for this year? That's a fun question because <laughs> – um, it really comes down to what Colin Klein feels like doing. I think with uh with Will, there's I know that he said a few times that he's wanted to drop weight to uh get a little bit more mobile um this year. Uh which if he can be just mobile enough uh to escape more than he did last year, like he doesn't need to be Avery Johnson, or at least what we assume Avery Johnson's like. Uh he 
just needs to be able to get out of the pocket and pick up the first down consistently when he's pressured. And the true ceiling for him, if the offense reaches its max potential, is probably a trip to the Heisman ceremony, I think. Uh, I, I'm i just so high on him this year. He looked really good in those last seven games. Uh, and the Bama game, he was closer to having a good game uh, than I think the stat line shows. Of course, that is how it went. You know, it didn't go as well as it should have. Uh, but he missed it by only a few inches on uh, that out, and that completely changes that game. But regardless, uh, I will could have a phenomenal season. Uh, hopefully he comes back to play a season uh, with his brother um, the following year, but I do know we'll probably be in good hands regardless. I'm uh, pretty confident this QB room being one of the most talented K-State's ever had, uh, but it could be a huge, 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 year for will one that i know this has been the debate for you and uh the live show a lot recently is uh how high can will get uh in the all time and i do think there's like a one percent chance he becomes like the goat k-state quarterback it would require a lot of things balling correctly but i think he can hit top three i i think that he can hit top three in my mind yeah i i i definitely can see the world where he gets to top three and you know, that that 1%, I would love to have it happen. And again, I said this with Chef. My dream is that this season, if it's the last, or if he comes back next season, it, it really becomes a much more realistic option. But I hope, you know, I'm arguing, you know, 10 years from now with a 25-year-old who is saying Will Howard is the greatest K-State quarterback of all time. And I'm trying to carry water for Michael Bishop and, uh, you know, Colin Klein and then, you know, some old head in the nursing home is saying something about Lynn Dickey. Um, so I, I'm really hoping that that does happen. Um, let's flip over to the defensive side because I think that I could probably make an argument. And, and I'm I'm not getting my predictions out there until the week before the game. Hell, maybe the week of the game. So, you know, best of luck for you, you know, trying to come up with it. I think I could make a realistic argument for seven maybe eight guys to be the defensive mvp um but you have to answer today so who are you going with well first of all i do agree with you i think there is a legit argument for about every starter on the defense uh say save a few and even then it wouldn't shock me if someone comes out of nowhere but my pick is daniel green today uh he didn't have a season that i think he was capable of having last year and still had a fairly decent year um, at uh, Mike Backer, if he can be healthy all year, knock on wood, uh, I think that he'll be defensive MVP. Although there's a few guys that are right there with him. I won't cheat and say their names, but I will say that Daniel Green is the MVP. I think he's geared up for a massive season. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll even, you can tell me if I say a name that you think you could make an argument for. I think Daniel Green, you can make an argument for. I think Kobe Savage, you very easily can make an argument for. I think all three of those edge rushing guys that we talked about, you could make an argument for. I think you can make an argument for Austin Moore. And I think you could make an argument for whoever, Jacob Parrish, Will Lee, um, you know Jordan Wright, any of the guys who, who are going to play cornerback. Um, and heck, it, it could be safety. But here's the thing. 
Safety, I have no clue. Like, you know, I think we have a pretty good idea. VJ Payne will probably be one of the other ones. Uh, who, who's going to be the other one? I have no idea, but it would not surprise me if any of the secondary players are, because that's just how good the secondary has been in the climate era. So again, I, I think it could be just about anyone except for maybe whoever's starting at the Sam backer, because I think Des Brunel, Jake Clifton are going to rotate a lot. And then Uso, I mean, the nose guard doesn't get a lot of sacks. I, I think it would, or stats at all. I think it'd yeah. be miraculous if he was the defensive MVP, but he might be the guy I'm most excited for on the defense. I think Uso, I think he will end up being forgotten, but he is going to be a huge component of if our pass rush is good or not. Cause I think back to Timmy Horn in 21. I mean, it did not show up on the stat sheet very much, but if you watch the film, he would just demolish interior offensive lines. There's multiple occasions where I think, especially against Nevada, where I watched him push back all three interior offensive linemen uh, to open up the pass rush uh, for a, a solo pass rush for both defensive ends. So it could be, it won't be Uso, but if you're talking about pure impact, it could be Uso, I think. Um, if we're looking at an under radar guy, uh, Ace and I love Daniel Cobbs uh, in the safety room. We are huge Daniel Cobbs fans. Uh, it may not be this year for him, uh, but he's someone I'm watching very, very closely uh, in the near future. But you named pretty much everybody that I was thinking of as well. Uh, Kobe Savage, that D end room. There's just there's a lot of talent on this defense and a lot of guys to really be excited about. I'm going to skip over one. and I'm going to go to defense for defensive breakout player. Uh, because you mentioned him, is Cobbs your guy, or are you going to go a different uh, route for your defensive breakout player? Oh gosh, defensive breakout—that's another tough question. Uh, which it's tough in a good way because there's a lot of options, I think, and it also, I guess, depends on your definition of breakout because uh, it's kind of a breakout slash newcomer sometimes. Uh, yeah, so so I, I'm defining it this year, and again, I think this question has changed every single year i've done it just slightly so i'm saying either a newcomer or someone who is yet to uh, be a starter and major player for k-state i'm gonna go ahead and say will lee then i think uh but even then it's hard to say because there's like eight corners that could play and i'd get it and i i i'm gonna go with will lee though just because i mean the alabama offer says a lot and uh I he's not Julius Brents, but he's about as close as you could expect a human being to be without like gene editing or something. So I, I I'm saying to say Will Lee, I think he could really have a great year. We'll flip over to the offensive side of the ball. Who's going to be the breakout player on offense? Um, I'm going to say Treshawn Ward. If we're just going to make it newcomers or anyone that hasn't started, I think. On our podcast, I said something about Trey Spivey for like true freshmen that could play uh, offensively, but that all comes down to if we rotate or not, which I have no idea if we will, but I'm just super high on Spivey. But in this case, it's probably Trey Sean Ward. Uh, I mean, he was preseason newcomer of the year, which uh, is a huge honor. Uh, and it says a lot that we're so talented offensively that sometimes I kind of forget about Trey Sean Ward. So I just, Thinks I immediately think of G.J. Giddens uh, or Ben Sennett or Will Howard or uh, the offensive line. But Treshawn Ward, I think, uh, has to be the pick there. 
All right, the next one is true freshman you think is going to have the biggest impact. Do you want to go Spivey or is there someone else who you're going to jump in with? Um, I'm not going to say Spivey overall. Uh, I think to be consistent with our show, I'm going to go out on a limb and say uh, Chidi Obiezor because uh, I know there were rumors going around that he added like 30 pounds uh, in the offseason. Uh, I'm his film is so interesting because the athleticism is just there. It's clear that he's just so athletic and he's a really big guy. He's like six, six. The rumors are true. He's two eighty. Um, really versatile. He's like a really athletic Jalen pickle in terms of his body makeup and he's taller and longer. Uh, I think he could be someone that's hard to keep off the field. Uh, maybe later in the season. All right. My favorite one and uh, weirdly enough, I, th- I thought that this year there was a very obvious pendulum game. I don't know if anyone has picked that one. There's been a popular pick, and uh, then there's the one I've had in my head. Um, what do you have as the pendulum game of the season? Uh, well, I think at some point, I don't remember which episode it was. I think you said, like, don't do non-conference games or something like that. Which well, I'm not going to pick. I wasn't going to pick one anyways. Okay, I was going to say, if you want to go ahead, I, I will just make fun of you because I think we saw last year with that loss to Tulane and us still being able to win the Big 12, um, I would never pick a non-con as a pendulum game ever again. Um, but if you want to, if you want to say Mizzou, go for it. I'm not going to stop you. If you want to say Troy, I'm not going to stop you. If you say SEMO, I'm going to have to – you know, you can stop me if I say CMO. So. <laughs> uh, you, you feel free to stop me if I say CMO. But um, I know in the past, I think I've picked uh, some non-con games. Like I picked Nevada back in 21, uh, which didn't really end up being a huge deal. Although I guess it was kind of important. But I'm going to roll with UCF here. I, I'm thinking UCF because that's going to be the first time we played them since the end of the world in 2010 and uh, it's a first game against a new conference opponent that's a huge statement game i think for k-state we need to i mean drop that game in our first game against an expansion team but that's a tough look uh, for the wildcats i think so i you really have to win that especially because it's at home uh i as i'm not gonna go out as far as call it a must win but I think it hurts more than it would in any other year in the future uh, to lose to UCF. I, I think we desperately need to beat them this year. If we want to make it to Arlington, I'm okay calling that a must win. Um, I have no hesitations calling that a must win if Arlington's the goal. Um, what's K-State's record going to be? Go on the record. What is the win-loss? 10-2, uh, I think. Um, could fluctuate, but I'm going to say 10-2. and two. Those tech, the tech game and the Texas game are going to be really tough. because uh, I think tech is going to be one of the fastest team this side of the Mississippi or something like that. And uh, Texas is Texas, depending on if they decide to be good or not. It's really up to them. Uh, but I'm going to say 10 and 2 for now. Uh, because we do have a nice home schedule. Uh, we do have some tough games, but I think 10 and 2 is the safest bet right now. All right, 10-2 and two with losses to some possible Arlington contenders. So you're dropping some tiebreakers. So I have to ask, who's playing in Arlington that first Saturday in December? I think 
if the season goes the way we think it will, so it won't be this, uh, then it's going to be um, Texas and burnt orange. And then I think tech is probably going to drop a few games at some point. I think their talent's going to win them some big ones, but they're still fairly young. Uh, they have a lot of young, great talent, even though they have shuck. So I think they end up going like eight and four, nine and three. So I think K-State does sneak into Arlington uh, and where's white. Okay. Do you want to pick a champion in that game? Is Texas going out on top or do the Wildcats act like they're Drake and go back to back? I, there's no way I can pick Texas to win. I mean, they're leaving like screw those guys (laughs) in case they wins. I love it. I absolutely love it. Final question. And it's going to be two parts now because when I created the outline for blitz month, uh, this year, I shit went wild. Uh, there I'll, I'll earn our explicit tag. Um, I think my mom's going to, my, my mom loves it when you and Ace come on. Cause I don't ever curse hardly at all. Uh, so, you know, I think that's the first time I've cursed on a podcast today. Um, but of the four teams who have joined the big 12 this year, who will be the first one to make it to Arlington? That's Houston, BYU, UCF, and Cincinnati. I actually just called them UCF. I, I'm trying to call them Central Florida because how much to they annoy hate them. It. Yeah, yeah. So Central Florida, Cincinnati, Houston, or BYU. Who's the first of those four to make it to Arlington? I think UCF. Um, I think they have the, a lot of people say at least, and I kind of agree, that they have the highest ceiling of the uh, new schools. Um, they're in a great recruiting area. I mean, Houston has Texas, but they compete with a bazillion other Texas schools. Um, UCF um, doesn't have quite as much competition, and there's probably a, there's not as much talent as Texas, but a lot. There's a lot of uh, open space there for them to pick up young guys uh, to bring to the program. Uh, they have a good coach uh, and Gus Malzahn. Uh, who knows if we'll be there when they make it to Arlington. It could be a while before anyone makes it to Arlington out of these new four that are joining this year, at least. Uh, so I, I'm rolling UCF because I think they have maybe the easiest path out of anybody. I mean, Cincinnati set themselves back uh, by hiring Scott Satterfield. Uh, I think that was a horrible, horrible hire. Um, BYU and Houston are both kind of in limbo right now. UCF's really the only one kind of an upward trajectory right now. So I think they're a safe pick. I think this is an easy one, but I'll ask it. Hey, we got even four. We got four more new schools coming in next season. Of those four schools, the Mountain schools, the Pac four, some folks call it the Four Corners, which I hate because that implies New Mexico, whatever. Doesn't matter. We got four new teams coming in next year Utah, Colorado. We knew they were coming in, Arizona and Arizona State. I think this is an easy one, but of those four, who's going to make it to Arlington first? Uh, probably Utah, I think. Uh, I mean, Colorado is going to have to... Deion Sanders is going to have to prove me wrong, I think. I'm I'm not against him being... like I'm not against him as a coach because I know he's kind of controversial. I'm just not super for him. It's just kind of I'm indifferent, I guess, to Deion. He's going to have to like, really prove that he can win with the strategy of Power 5. Arizona and Arizona State are kind of a mess right now in football. Although Arizona is kind of on an upward trend right now. I think they just got a five-star committed for next year. Uh, so Utah is kind of the easy pick, I think, there. Uh, although I look forward to next year when we are talking about like four ACC schools that are joining or something like that. There we go. I'm in mic trouble. Yeah, I mean, it, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. Um, 
I'm, I'm over the gnashing of teeth and the wailing, you know, uh, eulogizing the Pac-12. Oh, who cares? It's, they didn't do they didn't do any of that for the Big Twelve. No, and... they they didn't. And I, it's stupid. And, and weirdly enough, it, it's almost all. It, it, it's like so much. It's Heather Denich and the Athletic. It's like the exact same players as the one who were celebrating it, who are now crying about it. And look, if if Cal and Stanford somehow end up in the ACC and Oregon State and Washington State end up, you know, being, you know, some big time players in the Mountain West, then okay, it's a happy ending for everyone. I'm just, I'm over it. Um, yeah. and I, do I hope, hope we go off the ACC too. I do hope that we get Pittsburgh and uh, Virginia Tech and the divorce with the ACC. Oh, yeah. that, I, that would be, I, well, that and then like, give me Louisville, who yeah. always... So, I mean, no offense to TCU and no offense to West Virginia. The fact that UT was the one, they were the ones that blocked us from adding Louisville in the first place. I should have been them. It should have been them over TCU, quite frankly. Um, but it doesn't matter. Everything worked out. Hopefully we, you know, are able to pick the carcass of the ACC here soon as well. That's all I have. Uh, always appreciate you coming on. I'm sure the Boneheads will hear you and your co-host Ace during primers at different time uh, times this fall. And I told Ace because, uh, you know, I'm going to waterboard him if the women's basketball team doesn't make it to at least the round of 32 in the tournament. Uh, I might have to have you guys on to preview the women's basketball team here in a couple months as well. Uh, but tell all the Boneheads uh, where to find you uh, if they're, on my shit list and not listening to you guys. Uh, where can they find your podcast? Where they, can they find you on Twitter and social media? Uh, to find me personally um, on Twitter, I'm at Connor Baltazor, capital C, capital B. You'll get the last name right if you try it enough. And then the uh, podcast is at Aggieville A Cats, capital A, capital A, capital C, and Cats. Uh, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and like three others that I don't think anyone uses, but we're there anyways. And uh, keep an eye out for uh, some new merch coming soon. Uh, we're switching stores and doing a complete revamp. Uh, my girlfriend's designing it, so if you don't like it, I'm coming for you. But uh, it's going to be, uh, I, I think they're a huge step up from what we have right now, because I think some of the stuff we have right now is a little stinky, but uh, that's okay. Hey, my Aggieville Alley Cat shirt is one of my favorites to wear while I'm pelotoning. So uh, I, I love it. Everyone should check them out. Uh, and like I said, you guys are my favorite K-State podcast. So if you guys are listening to Bosco's Boys, it's a different vibe. You know, I, I'm like, you know, chaotic evil. You guys are like a lawful good. I think that's a thing. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I love listening to you guys. You guys, you know, talk all sorts of stuff about all the K-State sports teams. And again, you're women's basketball and uh, men's baseball coverage second to none in the world of K-State, you know, sports talking. So thank you again for coming on my friend. Thanks for having me, Scott. Yep. So for Connor, for the Aggieville Alley Cats, for Chauncey, the best dog in my world, we love you guys and go cats. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel it coming on for Kansas State. The feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be with Kansas.
Kansas State, come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Kansas State, the fun is being there. Having a good time there. Purple and white we share. Showing our colors Podcast Network.